Welcome to Season 2, Episode 15 of The Three Old Goalies, with our special guest, John Bush. Music for the show is provided by the Floodgate Operators. Be sure to check them out on Apple Music or Spotify. The Three Old Goalies are brought to you by TheSquad.com, because everybody loves the W. Check out The Squad for all your recruiting needs. And now we send you over to Evie with our special guest, John Bush. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Three Old Goalies. Sort of a convenient time waster in your life, and that's that's what we're here to do tonight for you. And hopefully at the end of this, this episode, you will have enjoyed your time, but you still will have wasted it. So, sorry, just giving you that, that heads up front. Uh, one thing that we do want to say that we say every time is the three old goalies sometimes veer off into uh, ear muscle land. And so if you've got young goalkeepers listening, you might want to be aware of that um, and have the ear muscle at the ready. The other thing that we've failed to, to bring up many times in the past, and I think it's time to refresh it, is these are our opinions on the sport of soccer in the United States. Okay. They're ours. You can't have them. You can have your own opinions. And, you know, if you develop your own opinions by listening to us, great. You know, if you disagree with us, that's great, too. But uh, um, as as we've said many times, Bone and I predicated this show or this whole podcast uh, idea on sim- similar conversations that we would have sitting around the bar at the coaches convention and telling stories. And that's kind of what it's evolved into. And... <laughs> Definitely. You know, some of these stories, and by the way, if you can, if you have a chance, evidently listen to the Ralph Lundy uh, episode because that guy can tell stories. And um, so, that, you know, again, these are our opinions, and these are our stories, and uh, take what you will from them. Nothing that we say is gospel, uh, other, other than. Um, you know, it's a it's a great sport, and if you can be involved in it, by all means, do so. So, with that, I welcome I welcome in a, a I welcome in an, an alumni of the show, a returning a return the prodigal son of the three old goalies, John Bush, uh, legend in his own right, is with us tonight. Uh, uh, he's not he's I wouldn't classify him yet, Bone, as an old goalie. Um, oh, no, I, how would we yeah. how would we classify him as well, he's not an old goalie, but he's a Short goalie. Oh, okay. Okay. That was Red Raver, ladies and gentlemen, brought to you by Red Man Chewing Tobacco. (laughs) Straight from Lobster Boy, right away. Here we go. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. Well. Whoa. The gloves are off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, anyway, uh, uh, John, as, as you know, has been a guest on the show many times. John is the owner of HPG Goalkeeping. Um, you can find out more information about HPG Goalkeeping and their product at www.hpggoalkeeping.com. Uh, John, welcome in. Uh, we 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 have we have uh, uh, missed you, uh, but we do <laughs> we we do know that you have been busy as and I mean busy as the uh, goalkeeper coach. Uh, at the Pittsburgh Riverhounds in the USL Championship, and 
as as most people who probably listen to this podcast know, when you're the goalkeeper coach at a USL team, that's entitled only, right? You do you do you do every you do everything else, you know, yes. Uh, yes. from you know as you've said, making airport runs to the laundry to the you know oh, cleaning yeah. the facility. I mean, you you do it all. And all their duties as a sign, right? Uh, yeah. What'd you say? Yes. Other duties as a sign. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so uh um welcome in. We're we're hoping tonight to to share some some insight into the yeah. uh USL uh season this year. They they're underway and I, I believe if I'm not mistaken, Bushy, you guys are not you're undefeated so far. We are uh, undefeated. Yeah. We're undefeated. Yeah. Have, uh four games in. So that's great. That's great. Yeah. And and I guess because of weather, you've played most of your games on the road in southern climes or more southern climes than Pittsburgh. Yeah, we've uh, we've had one one uh, one game at home and three on the road so far. Um, so we're doing. Yeah, we're doing OK. We're doing That's OK. Great. That's great. So. And and, uh, you know, so just a, just a little bit of background before I turn it over to Bone. Um, you know, John, John uh, secured this position, I guess. Three three months ago, Bushy? Two months ago? Yeah, end of end of December. I moved. Yeah, up here. yeah, yeah, yeah. End of December. How yeah. many ever months ago that is now? Yeah, I guess it's three. Because <laughs> March, we just, we just we just yeah almost yeah we just three, yeah three months. Anyway, you came to you came to USL from Hibs over in Scotland, and and I'm sure uh, Bone will uh, ask you about that. So we get some some Hibs stories because um, you know obviously that's something that you know. Uh, American guys in soccer dream about is being involved in the, in the sport at the pro level in Europe. So, um, so, and also joining us tonight again, and we got this, we got the Cincinnati group tonight, don't we? We got the, we got the Ohio group. We got Greg Deutsch from Cincinnati. We got Greg Raver from Cincinnati. And we got, uh, we got John Bush, who I'm sure has driven through Cincinnati. And I know where it is on the map. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and and uh, I spent I spent a lot of time in, in the Dayton area, so I drive through Cincinnati a lot. So yeah, we got an Ohio flavor to the to the podcast tonight. But uh, but without further ado, Bone, I will turn it over to All you. Right. And, well, first, oh, Ev, okay. I'm glad you're back. I want to say we missed you again. You know, with Ralph Lundy, uh, Coach Lundy, as you said, was probably the <laughs> funniest show that we've done. Um, and you are 100% right. Trying to get a word in to his stories um, was very challenging. We had a special uh, call-in guest, Coach Ralph Polson, and he was on delay for like 20 minutes. Was, <laughs> I, I'm serious. I, yeah. I, I was trying to get him in, but like Ralph wouldn't even take a breath. And he yeah. just, you know, yeah. Ralph Lundy just kept going. So um, anyway, Rabes, I'm glad you're safe. Um, I hope you had a good time. Wherever you went, what part of Florida were you in? No, we were in Ponte Vedra for a few days, and then um, we were in St. Simons for a week. But oh, yeah, it was a, we did a lot of driving. Okay. Um, Ohio to Florida is pretty far, and um, but we're all intact with a puppy, and we made it back safe. So we're very happy about that. But uh, um, just before we jump in, if you don't care, Ben, just real quick, Evie, I know you're in Nashville. You know, heavy hearts. We're thinking about the town. Um, yeah. There's a lot of scary stuff happening there and a lot of tough stuff, but I wanted to call that out. And, you know, I, flags I, are half mast everywhere and we're thinking about the town. Yeah, I appreciate it. And it's, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about it today. It's not even been a week. And, um, uh, 
you know, and, and we're, of course, with Marsha being an educator, um, you know, it, it kind of hit home and, and obviously, you know, terrible stuff. No one, no one, you, stuff you just don't, you, you can't fathom it. You just can't. And, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get political, although, you know, I spent the last week being political. Um, you know, there's no, there's, I mean, there's no explaining it. There just is no explaining it. And, uh, but I, I believe, again, this is my opinion. I believe something has to be done and hopefully, hopefully get, we're, we're getting closer to that point. So. Uh, yeah, no, I, I have elementary and middle school kids and I agree. It's just, I throw the politics out the door and, you know, and we talk sport and we all joke and we all, you know, we have fun, but uh, it's, it's happened far too much and something has to be done. So yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah. Anyway, we're thinking, guys. Thank you. On a lighter note, I don't know if you guys saw this uh, before we get go before we get going, phone because you just made me think of it. Um, uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but you know the 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 final four game between uh, Florida Atlantic and um, San Diego State. Another another show alumni, Robbie Church. Well, his son Kyle, who Bushy, you know, it's, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, Kyle I, was a little kid that. that always had a basketball. He yeah. always had a basketball yeah. at soccer camp. That kid had a basketball. <laughs> he, right? he did, yeah, he did. Yeah, no, seriously, seriously, he was that. He was that kid. He was, you know. No, I remember him in Vandy. I mean, he yeah. Was I mean, he nonstop. Always, he always had. He was. He was what they call a gym rat or a ring. You know, we, yeah. we've all seen him in sports. You know, rink rats and gym rats and guys who that's what they do. Yeah. Well, he's the first assistant coach at FAU, right? And he so he's on the bench, and. I got to tell you, a lot of his coaching mannerisms are just like his dad's. Are they? I mean, you can, and I was sitting, and of course, you know, you have to have either either know Robbie or have worked with him, but you see a lot of the same mannerisms and approach to a game, you know, that in Kyle that you saw in Rob, and I, right after the, I mean, obviously it was a heartbreaking loss because, you know, the kid hit the shot at, at the, literally at the buzzer. Uh, to beat FAU, but I texted uh, Churchy right afterwards, and I said, "You know what?" And I don't know anything about basketball; I really don't. But it was a, it was just you, you know you talk about something that was just fun to do was to watch Churchy's boy coach, you know, and it was just it was a heartwarming thing. So um, maybe that balances off the Nashville thing a little bit. I don't know. So yeah. oh, God, God damn it, Vauder! God damn it, Vauder! Rain Vauder! So, but again. Uh, without further ado, but, All right. um, I apologize. Take it, Take it away. All right. Well, again, John Bush, thank you for taking time from your busy schedule to come back on the show. Last time we left off, as you may recall, EV, he had just been let go by Indy 11. And we were wondering what was going to happen. So I just want to jump right into that because, you know, Everything in my world and your world, EV, a lot revolves, and probably Greg Raber, um, as well as Bushy, connections, right? We're always, you know, that who knows who, the Kevin Bacon thing, stuff like that. So, you know, John, take us on this path after Indy 11. You know, you were in North Carolina a little bit. You were in Tampa Bay. Obviously, EV mentioned the Scottish Premier League. You know, as people forget, Celtic Rangers, you know, how exciting. But again, give us your path there. And obviously, there's a very important person that got you into the Scottish Premier League. 
um, that I'm sure you're going to share um, that story on how you got there. So take it away, John Bush. So you want me to go all the way back to Indy 11? Is that where you want me to start? It's not that far. It's not that many years. That's a few years ago. Um, yeah. yeah uh, so finished there. A uh, gentleman came in and wanted to make changes. Uh, so that was that ended up deciding it was time to, to hang him up. Um, signed a one day contract with the Columbus crew, retired as a crew player and got full time into coaching. I was already doing a lot of coaching, but now it became my full-time gig. Um, spent whatever, three, four, five years in Indy, uh, coaching for the Indy Fire Youth Academy, working with several youth national teams, working with IUPUI, the, both the men's and the women's there, the Division One school. Um, uh, you know, kind of was looking around at the same time, was very content and very happy there, but also, you know, looking into the MLS and USL and just different things. Um, to see where kind of my path would go. Um, and then randomly, uh, I guess it was last last January or end of December, uh, a buddy of mine, Sean Maloney, uh, ex-Scottish International, who I played with in, in uh, Chicago for a season, he ended up leaving the Belgian national team and taking over the uh, Hibernian uh, Hibs and uh, asked me to come over and be his goalkeeper coach. Um, we had we had stayed in contact since the time in Chicago. We talked quite a bit. Um, we we hit it off from the beginning. Um, so I always kind of had this idea and thought because he he told me that if and when or not if but more when he got a head coaching position that uh, you know he'd be interested to bring me over. Um, if I'm being honest, we we didn't expect it to happen until after this past World Cup. So we thought it would be another year on from when it actually happened. And that kind of came out of the blue for him and it came out of the blue for for me. And so uh, but it was it was an opportunity that uh, was too good to pass up. Uh, it was great, great experience, even though uh, three three and a half year contract ended in four months for all of us. But. Just just the experience to be at that level, uh, to play Celtics, Rangers, you know, Aberdeens, you know, e even some of the smaller clubs, just to be in that environment uh, and, and to experience that level of football was was unbelievable. Uh, it, it was fantastic. And, and even just, you know, we were I was talking about it the other day because we were talking about like scouting goalkeepers and looking at goalkeepers with a buddy. And I said, you know, one of the cool things being over there was you're in a whole different market. You're in a whole different world than what you'd be in the USL or even MLS per se. But, you know, like when I'm looking at goalkeepers, I get to, you know, at, at, at Hibernian, I get to look everywhere throughout the world, you know, and whether it's look in the French league, look in the Belgian league, look in the German league, you know, finding, watching videos of all these different goalkeepers to find somebody who who fits into Sean's style and, and the way we wanted to play. What was, from a culture standpoint, maybe the hardest thing for you to adjust being an American? Um, it's a good question. I think, honestly, you know, when I got there, I was a few weeks late 
after Sean and the rest of the staff had gotten there solely because uh, they had the club already had a goalkeeper coach at the club and work permit wise and all that stuff had to kind of be tidied up. So Sean and the rest of the staff were there a few weeks. So they were kind of already in their swing by the time I got there. Um, but you also have to imagine we're, we're going in in the middle of the season in, in the busiest time of their season, we're going in, you know, end of January or whatever it's beginning of January, excuse me. And you're, you're playing every three, four days. And so I remember, you know, I got off the plane on, I left here, left the States on a Wednesday, got there on a Thursday. Um, team was off on Thursday, trained Friday, trained Saturday, trained Sunday. And then Monday night we were, if I remember correctly, I think we, we were at Celtic. It was either Celtic or Rangers. It was one of the t- big two. And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. And, <laughs> you know, and like once we had that, it was just we were off and rolling, you know, so – to be quite honest, I don't even think I had enough time to really like pick my head up and look around. You know, we were always working. It was always at a training center. Um, all the assistants lived in one house that was uh, like six minutes away from the training center just because that was the easiest for the club and everybody to do at that moment. Um, so it was just kind of like we saw our house, we saw the grocery store, you know, we saw the training facility in the stadium. Um and it was just we got on the we got on the circus and then you know and the and the rat wheel and we just kept going. Yeah, share with us, um, and you've shared with me before, but I, I like you to share with our viewers, listeners. Go through a typical day or morning, day, evening. <laughs> yeah, you know because I think people and and, and you know I want to also ask you to compare it to what you're doing now with the USL team to see, you know, you got Academy players. I'll let you talk about that. But first tell us what was the routine in Scotland on an everyday basis, being the goalkeeper director versus the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Yeah. So, you know, our days over there were, you know, first thing in and and you're there pretty much all day. Um, I like to get in a little bit earlier than the other guys because I like to try to get my workout done first thing in the morning because I know once we get into our day, like I, I'm not going to have time to do it. So I'd usually leave the house at about seven. Um, I get in by 10 past, quarter past, quickly change, wait uh, into the weight room for about an hour. Um, we always started with uh, staff breakfast at 830. Uh, then the first meeting would be somewhere between 845 and 850. And that was uh, – all, all the first team staff and um, the physio and the strength and conditioning guy. Uh, they basically would meet with Sean every morning, talk about the day before his training, where the guys hit their numbers, if, if somebody was overtrained, uh, you know, who's injured, you know, who's recovering, where are they kind of in their, their fitness regimen for the week. Um, Sean loved to know everything about all that stuff. Uh, he, he always had his finger on every pulse, which I think was amazing. Um, and so when we finished that meeting, uh, you know, if obviously I just kind of listened. If, if there was anything with our goalkeepers, then obviously that, you know, that was addressed to me. But uh, most of the time it was just addressed to, to Sean and the other coaches about their field players. Um, once that was done and, and the plan was set for the morning training with, with them, they left and went back and started their treatments and whatever they had to do. Uh, 
from there, right away, we went into training for the morning. Um, so that's usually around nine o'clock. We're talking, you know, timeline. Uh, so usually from about nine to nine thirty ish, it was all the staff discussing training, uh, what Sean wants to get accomplished that day, you know, what drills we were doing, when do they need the goalkeepers, all that stuff. Um, nine thirty, when we have all that accomplished, uh, at, at times when that's being being talked about, uh, sometimes we need to go and talk to. Uh, the, the reserve team coach, Steve, who was just down the hall um, and, and just make sure their players are in and what time they're coming in and who we need. So there's always that communication because we always needed some of their their, their uh, players. Uh, their two goalkeepers would always train with me. Um, so I had three first team goalkeepers and then I had their two. Uh, so I always made it a point every morning as well, whether it was at some point during the meeting or after our staff meeting to go talk to Steve see what his plan for their training was because they start always started a little bit later than us um, and to try to match our times up and what he needed with his two goalkeepers. You know, am I keeping one? Am I keeping both? Does he need both back? And just trying to line all that up. Um, once I have that conversation, all the coaches go out. Sean goes into, uh, takes his analyst and usually goes into the video room. Uh, the assistant coaches go out and set up the fields. Um uh, you know, my, I had my area, I would rotate, but I had my area set up my stuff. Uh, you know, the other coaches would set up, Sean usually worked between two to three fields in different areas, depending on what they had. So everything was set up all, all together at once. And then the, when they were training, they would just kind of rotate areas and rotate fields. So they never had to, to move the cones and pick up the cones and, and move stuff. It was, everything was already set up for the day. Um, when that was done, we, we go back inside, depending on when Sean wanted the goalkeepers in his training session. Um, and a lot of the times he wanted them pretty quickly because we were, we were changing the style of play there. Uh, he wanted a very possession based team playing out of the back. And so we wanted our goalkeepers working on that specifically, not just with me and our goalkeeper training sessions, but also with the team. And so, uh, more times than not, I would take the goalkeepers out about 10.30, 10.25, 10.30, and make sure they got their goalkeeping part first done. And then the the team would come out at 11. So I always wanted to make sure that we focus on our goalkeeping training um, on those days that Sean needed them 10 or 15 minutes into the session. Um, when that's done, now you're looking at 12.30, 1 o'clock, depending on the day. Um, we go in, we have lunch, uh, when lunch is done, we're back in the coaching office. We we're debriefing about training by that time, the analysts have downloaded training. We had two drones, uh, that were flying over the training field every day. Uh, that's downloaded so we can all watch it and pick and choose what we need to see. Um, we did that. We might start discussing, it, uh, the next opponent, depending on what day of the week it is, um, you know, we'll start discussing what we need to accomplish the next day in training. So now you're looking at three thirty, four o'clock or so. A lot of times Sean would usually go back into the video room uh, with the analyst again and start looking at more videos, whether again, it was us from the weekend past or preparing for the weekend coming up. Um, 
you know, so now you're looking at close to close to five o'clock, five to six o'clock, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, and then when 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 everybody's done and every you know everything's been accomplished for that day, then then you're heading home. So. How 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 I don't want to say dead, but like how exhausted are you from that? Um, just going all day, and again include now what you're doing with coach Lily and how it differs maybe from what you experienced with that. Yeah, I think, you know, in one aspect, I absolutely loved it because it's, it's top level football. You're, you know, you're, you're talking about big time players. You're talking about big time teams. You're looking at, you're always watching, um, you know, but for me personally, you know, and Evie and I have talked about this and, and so, so Raver and I, um, I'm an all or nothing guy. I'm all in. And so balance in my life was not there. <laughs> you know, like I was seven days a week, even, even on like if we, when we had a day off, I would be looking at video. I would be thinking about goalkeeping. And again, at times that's good. And other times I realized like, you know, in essence, I don't have a life. I don't have anything else going on. Um, <laughs> so that's something that I've had to, to address um, both there and when, and then when, when we got you know, obviously released and kind of moving forward and, and prioritizing what's, you know, yes, I'm still very serious about my football, but at the same time, like I have to have balance in my life and that, that got away from me um, and it got away from me pretty badly. Um, so as I came back to the States, you know, and I spent some time with my mom and my sister in North Carolina and just kind of thinking about where I want to go next and, and my next move and all that stuff. Um, I really tried to focus and figure out things that I, I like outside of football. Um, you know, and I got, I got into hiking, uh, hiking trails and things like that. So um, from there, once I was ready to kind of get back in the football thing, uh, I went down to Tampa Bay and worked for a youth academy for two of my buddies down there, uh, basically from August to December. And I kind of said to them, like, listen, you know, I'm still trying to figure out my ultimate path. I don't know if this is going to be a long-term thing in Tampa, but I kind of need a job from August to December. Can you help me out? You know, and they were, they, they were great about it. They said, yeah, you know, come, come down. I lived with one of the guys and his wife and I had known them from Indiana. So it was an easy situation for me. Um, and it got me back on the field again. It got me around goalkeepers and all that stuff. Um, you know, and it still allowed me the time. Um, we didn't have to do anything in the morning, so it was nice. I could work out, I could, you know, go to the pool, I could sit and just kind of think about things I needed to, to prioritize in my life. Um, and then in the after late afternoons and the evenings, that's when we started coaching. Um, you know, and, and the kids were great. The goalkeepers I loved working with, but there was, there was just something missing still. You know, I wanted to be in that back in that pro environment. You know, once you get a taste of it, you want to be there. Um, you know, you want, I, or I, I want, I, I want to be in an environment where, you know, three points is, is your focus and winning championships is your focus. Not that it's not at the youth level, but at the pro level, obviously, you know, your jobs depend on it, um, you know, as players and coaches. So, I still kind of crave that. Uh, and the other thing I started realizing more and more down there was I was on the field till nine 30 every night. So I'm eating dinner at 10 o'clock 
And I was like, I'm getting too old for this. You know, 46, <laughs> I'm 46 years old. Like I want to eat at a normal time and not at 10 o'clock at night. So that, you know, those, it, it sounds funny, but those kind of things were really rattling around in my brain. Um, you know, I had some conversations with some MLS clubs, first team got, uh, you know, first team situations, academy situations, um, came close on a few, but things just didn't quite line up. And, uh, you know, I played for Bob about a hundred years ago when he was coaching at Hershey. And so we've always kind of had this, I would call, basically call it an ongoing conversation. He tried to get me there two or three years ago. It just didn't line up. Um, so we touched base again while I was in Tampa. Um, you know, he, he told me what he's got going on, you know, in, in the goalkeeping world in the river hounds, you know, I, I told him kind of what I needed to, to move in that direction. Um, and with, within a few weeks, he, he had it taken care of. Um, and, you know, I decided that, you know, I want to go work for Bob. Um, like I said, I, I've known Bob. I've known him for many years. You know, he's a straightforward guy, uh, tells it like it is a little bit old school, which I love. Um, but I also know that he's a person that if he says something, it's going to happen. And so, you know, he got the deal done. He had to go to the owners a little bit and talk to him, but explain to the owners, you know, what, what my value is going to be, not just for the first team, but also for the academy and, and overseeing that whole department for the goalkeepers. Um, so yeah, moved up here end of December. Uh, we had two combines uh, right away, pretty quickly, early January. Uh, so kind of jumped right into it there. Um, and then we had a few weeks where we were working just in the office. And as EV said, when you're doing, you know, in essence, minor league professional sports, you do quite a few things. And so one day or one hour, I might be talking about a goalkeeper or talking about salaries, and the next hour, I'm, you know taking the Adidas stuff to the screen printer or, you know, checking on the apartments cause we got players coming in. And, you know, one day I was changing uh, shower curtains cause one was old and one was new. So, you know, you just, you know, I, I love the, you know, you jump in and you just do what you need to do cause it's got to get done. There's only, there's only one other assistant coach here. Um, Dan Visser, he's been here. Uh, this is his sixth year together with Bob um, and, and him and I fit a, fit together very well. You know, obviously he, he does the majority of the stuff that Bob doesn't want to do and they have a very good rhythm. So I just basically followed his lead and every day I'd say, tell me what you need me to do this. Like you've been here, you've done it. Tell me what you need. Um, so it's, it, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. Um, so going back to your question. So my day here is, is, is actually quite similar you know, to, to Hibbs where again, I get up early. So I like to be in the facility early. The good thing is, is I live 4.7 miles from the training center. It's literally a six minute drive. So I get up, I leave my house by seven 15. I'm in the, I'm in there by seven 20, you know, seven 25. Um, I get the coffee started first there. I have my first cup here, but I get the coffee pot started there. Cause that's very important. Um, and then, you know, I start thinking about the day and what we need and, and making sure, you know, I'll, I'll have a quick look in the locker room, making sure the gears all set up for the boys back in their lockers. We have people that do their laundry, you know, so, um, we don't luckily have to do that, but yeah, you know, I just want to make sure everything 
I like it being quiet before Bob and Viz get in. Viz has kids, so he gets them on the bus and then he comes in. Um, so I'm probably in there for 45 to an hour by myself. Um, you know, I check everything out. You know, I start double checking the session that I've written down from the day before, you know, the night before that I want to to do with the guys. And then I usually, after that, I usually change into my training gear and I'll go out to the field, uh, whether we're inside or outside, and I'll start setting up my stuff. Um, I usually try to have that all done before Bob gets in, uh, just in case he needs me for anything or he wants to have any conversations. Um, you know, those two are usually in about 8.30, 8.45-ish, so somewhere in that ballpark, uh, maybe a little bit earlier, uh, maybe closer to 8 some days. But um, And then we're on the field at 10. Um, you know, we have training, finish that. Um, I usually bring my lunch in because I like to have lunch right after training. Um, and then uh, here I work out in the afternoons. So I get my work done. I get – I write up my, my training sessions, get them in my notebooks, uh, I record every training session as well. So I make sure that gets downloaded from the VO onto our platform. So all my, all my first team goalkeepers can watch it. Uh, so once I've kind of tidied up everything from the day and I've talked to Bob about anything we need to talk about and then, you know, checked in with this and, you know, some days there's stuff for us to do. Some days there's not uh, usually about three o'clock. I'm, I'm trying to get into the gym. Uh, the nice, the, the great thing is, is the facility that they just built here for, for the first team in the academy, literally the next door over from our, our locker room is the is the weight room. Um, so it's it's easy for me just to, to walk out our door, walk in there, get my session, you know, get my workout in. Um, and then kind of when I get back in from the from that, it's now my that my mind starts really changing hats into the academy because the academy start coming in about four thirty. Um, I have four staff members that work for me, um, for goalkeeper coaches. So majority of the time I don't have to do the sessions. I don't have to stay. Um, they know the sessions I want them to run and I give them the, the freedom to run that. Um, you know, I've watched them for many, many weeks now. Uh, we've had numerous staff conversations. Uh, I've talked to them about, you know, them writing their their sessions up, sending them to me. I wanted to see them in the early days to make sure they, you know, I understood their thought process. They understood my thought process. So this has been an ongoing thing for for many many weeks now. Um, and now we're in a situation where I'm 100 comfortable with all four of them running it. And it's it's more of a little bit of a maintenance thing for me. Just every now and again, if if I feel like hanging out a little bit longer, I may stay and watch the sessions. Uh, make sure everything's good. If, you know, if, if I feel like we had a longer day and I want to go home, you know, I'm usually leaving at four or five o'clock in the afternoon. So it really just depends on me and what I want to do, which is nice because I've had many more nights since I've been here. I'm, I'm home cooking dinner and not, you know, eating Chipotle at 10 o'clock at night. So it's been nice. <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm, I want Greg Raber to jump in. I know he, he's got a question or two for you. So Rabes, go ahead. Yeah, no, Bushy, um, and obviously we're friends. We talk all the time, and I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's not every time you get to hang out with your hero. When I was 14 years old and you went to the Final Four, you were my hero. That's the reason I wore black all through college. 
that's what you did because you told me it made us look bigger. It did not make me look bigger. But was that the answer. was that the bullshit I came up with for you? That's a yeah, good yeah, answer. Yeah, yeah. I remember you telling him that. Yeah, and not to mention you also <laughs> not a big one on the line. You took me on a test drive to buy a, a rental car. I do remember that. That was the most terrifying that. experience of my young life. But um, nevertheless, <laughs> so from it to you know the whole journey, what would yeah. you change? What did you learn? And what are you going to do different? Hmm. Um, I, I would change the way I handle certain situations leading up to the Hibs. I would definitely change every way I handled that. Um, would not change going, even though I got fired in four, we all got fired in four months. Because it was a, it was an unbelievable experience. Well, Absolutely everybody gets fired in in your in your um, job. Everybody gets fired. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and, and you know, Eb and I talk about it all the time. You know, regardless of your head coach, assistant coach, where you get hired, you get fired. I think absolutely. I think, the, I think the hardest thing for me, it was the first time I'd gotten fired or released or whatever you want to call it as a coach. Right. I've had I've I've had it three times as a player in the MLS. Right. I've never had it in a coach as a coach. And more importantly, it was the first time I've ever seen a good friend of mine who's the head coach get fired. And so it was like I, I remember that Tuesday morning. I just finished in the gym. I was showering and, and you know, I was summons into Sean's Sean's office, not the not our coaching office, Sean's office. And when I walked in a few minutes later, like everybody was in there, I was like, something's going on. And that's when, <laughs> that's when Sean told us that I was like, the look on my face, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't comprehend what was happening at that moment. Um, so to see my buddy, you know, take a bullet all of a sudden and then realize, wow, we're, we're all going too. Um, you know, it was hard to take. It was really, really hard to take because um I know how much Sean put into that job. I know how much we all put into the, into our pieces of that puzzle. Um, and so for me, you know, that was the first time as a, as a coach and it, it really, it really hurt. It really was a kick in the balls if I'm being honest um, and knocked me backward. Um, but I wouldn't change it. You know, I think I'm tougher for it. I think I understand the business a little bit better now. Um, I would ask more questions that's for sure. I didn't ask enough questions. Um, you know, I was, I, I chased the shiny object per se a little bit on it, but I would definitely go, you know, I would love, I would love the opportunity to go again. Um, I don't know if it'll ever happen, but it, it's not something that I, I'm saying I, I wouldn't go, you know, um, I just would, I, I would have done things differently leading up to it for sure. sure. Um, you know, I think, but as you said, everybody gets fired and, and everything's a learning experience in life. Um, you know, for me, I, I look at things differently. Now I ask many more questions. Um, I'm not just this happy guy to go, like go anywhere. I want one of the major things and, and we've all, we've talked about it. E and I've talked about it numerous times. Um, but until you go through it in these environments, like, you also understand what's really important in the staff and the people you work with, you know, um, you know, and, and let's, let's look at 
Pittsburgh for what it is, right? Like I love being here. I love what I do. The, you know, and I've told Evie, the owner's an awesome guy. He's a blue collar Pittsburgh guy, walks around in his work boots and his jeans, right? Like awesome. His name's Tuffy. Everybody calls him Tuffy. He's a fantastic man. He, he fits with Bob. Bob fits with him, right? It's a Pittsburgh thing. Like you can see it through and through. Um, and, but they're just good people. And I think that's one of the other things I've learned is, you know, there's no glitz and glamor here, which is kind of who I am. Um, but you want to be and work with people that you value, that they value you, that, that you trust, they trust you. You want to be in that good environment. I want to be in an environment where I am pushed every day to, to, to grow as a coach, to learn, to look at different people's opinions. We may not agree. I, I, I mean, I've told you these stories already. Bob and I don't agree on certain things, you know, but at the end of the day, like he's the boss. So he has a final say, but the conversations that we have about goalkeepers and, and how they do things. And he wants a very active goalkeeper and this, that, like I'm learning every single day. And that's it. That's the environment I want to be in regardless if it's MLS level, USL level, academy, whatever. I want to be challenged. I want to learn. I want to grow as a, as a, as a coach and as a person. Um, and, and I feel like I really, really have that right now. Yeah. I, I want to hear you. You mentioned you would ask more questions, be a little bit specific in that for us. What questions would you have asked? Um, you know, I, I would have asked about the staff. I would have asked about the club more. I would have asked about what's the setup, you know, how much am I involved in the, the reserve team, which is, in all honesty, it was our under 19 team. That was the reserve team up there. How much am I involved in the academy? What is my role? Right. This is one of the conversations I had with Sean of, again, we, this, the entire staff was working together for the first time. And, you know, I, I knew two of the other guys because um, I met him at Sean's wedding, but we've never worked together. And, and, you know, Sean and I played together, but we've never worked together in, in this environment. Um, and you, you think about a lot of these things during it, but more importantly, after it's done, when you look back and you okay. go, okay, like, you know, I didn't know, I, I didn't really know my, my role in, in that environment, you know, like on a game day, what was my role, right? It wasn't defined to me. And so I did a lot of thinking, you know, when I was at the pool, pools in Tampa, you know, and, and, and wrote a lot of notes of just like questions to ask. And I think, that was one of the biggest things is, you know, and I said it to Bob when I first came up here, like, I want you to define my role. You know, I, yes, it's, it's training goalkeepers and developing the three younger goalkeepers we have here. I get that. And I understand what you want, you know, in the Academy, I'm, I'm overseeing four trainers and that sort of thing. But like, for instance, what is my role on game day? You know, Am I solely working with the goalkeepers, you know, and, and only focusing on them? You know, is there something else? Am I in charge of free kicks? Am I in charge of the substitutions? Am I in charge of, you know, define it, like spell it out, you know? And, and so now I know where I stand, you know, and again, it's, it, it's a little different here because, 
you know, there's three of us, Bob, this, and me. Like, that's it, right? Over there, you had Sean, Gary, Dave, Valerio, then me, right? So I'm, I'm layers down, um, which I'm, I'm part of the staff. But again, and, and now I've also gotten over there later. And they're already in the swing of things, and I'm trying to catch up to speed. So I didn't know, you know, am I allowed to say anything on the bench? Am I not? I don't say a lot anyway. Um, I'm usually just taking my notes. But it's like I didn't know where I stood at times. Um, so I, I really just try to focus on the goalkeeping side of things where, you know, Lils has said to me here, like, no, I want you to have a voice with the boys. You know, don't, don't force it. Don't try to, you know – uh, create it, just let it happen naturally. You know, it will happen for you. You know, you're an outgoing guy, um, you know? So it, it was much clearer for me with Bob right away. And I think, again, him and I have known each other since I played for him. Um, you know, there's, there's less layers, if you want to call it, to the staff. Um, so I'm much more involved in everything right away. Um, you know, so basically the way we have it broken down now on game days is, um, you know, Vis and I will go over the free kicks, defensive, offensive. We'll, we'll kind of present them to Bob. Bob has the final okay on it, or if there's something we need to tweak, we tweak it. And when that's done, all right, we're good. We'll put them up in the locker room. Um, on the bench, uh, you know, obviously Vis is his right-hand man. I'm in charge of the sub passes. And I never thought I would be so scared of my life as the first one. First game, because I got, you know, Bob, Bob standing up yelling, let's go, let's get him in. And I'm going, who's he going in for? And somebody, and then, and then I got the list of like, what number is it? Because you got to have like the number and the name. And I'm like trying to write as fast as I can. And I got Bob saying, what are we doing? Let's go. And I'm like, so it's kind of funny. Um, but, you know, I, I know my role, you know, and, and when it's clearly defined, um, that's what I like, you know, because I understand exactly where I stand, you know, and, and, there's still times where, you know, Bob's Bob's standard is is very very high on everybody, himself, the staff, the players, and you know, there's been three or four times where you know you, you get the old look, turn around, what what's your goalkeeper doing, you know, and then you have this discussion for about thirty seconds on the bench, you know, and it's always fun, it's always interesting. Um, and, you know, my response these days is I, that's why I'm putting it in my notebook. Yep, I got it in my notebook. I'll look at the video tomorrow, <laughs> you know. So, um, but it's been, again, it's been great. And that's that's the environment I want to be in. Again, regard, irregardless of the level, irregardless of the level. You know, I want to be pushed. I want to learn. I want to grow as a player. And, you know, I, I, I think I've got that right now for sure. Yeah, you know, Evie at the top of the show mentioned you you had some some funny Scottish stories for us to share. So we want to dig into a little of that. Um, you know, what before you go into that though, I'd like to hear your just perspective on playing at Rangers or playing at Celtic, you know, because most of us are never gonna experience what that is like. So yeah. take us through, take us through that. You know, I think those are the two prominent clubs that yeah. a lot of our listeners know. Um, so, you know, share again what that was like and then get into, you know, some stories that you think is funny that would be, you know, good for our listeners to listen to. I'm actually going to interject really quick. When I'm waking up having my coffee on a Saturday morning and I get a picture of Celtics locker room, I just write back to John, you're the worst. 
<laughs> no, you didn't say that. You said something else, but it's yeah. okay. We can, we'll just it's say a, that. On it's here. a family program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, the cool, the cool thing of, that with Bushy in playing off of what Rabe said, uh, Bone is, you know, before every game, Bushy would send like a like a text video, yeah. you know, and he'd stand out in the middle of the of the pitch and just you know pan around the whole stadium. You oh. Know? And it was really, I mean, that really is cool. fucking cool. But he didn't realize that the microphone was on because he's like, this is amazing. And yeah. You're talking and like, we're hearing you as like a young boy. It was amazing. It was a, it was a cool experience to wake up to. Yeah. yeah. The funny thing was, as soon as I got fired, I deleted all those. <laughs> I got. I don't. Have, I, got I, don't I oh, good because I don't have any of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, no, Celtic. Celtics was. I mean, it's a big stadium. It's it's very up to date. It's it's really nice, and it was really interesting to to then go to Rangers, where it's you know in certain aspects it's it's up to date and it's you know the latest this and latest that, but the front of theirs was still this old school wood. And so when we walked in from the bus and out from the bus, like it's just this kind of wood that's, you know, dark, uh, darkly stained. And uh, it, it was just really cool. Cause it was like a combination of 20, you know, 2022 and whatever, 1980 or something, you know, it was a going back and forth in two different worlds. It was really, really cool to see. Um, but again, those, you know, those are the two teams. I hate to say it, but those are the two teams that have all the money. You know, so they've got international players because they're in Champions Leagues. You know, and they're playing in that, so their budgets are, are so much bigger than others. Um, you know, Hearts is up there a little bit. They've got a, a, you know, they're probably the third biggest, and and Hibs is right there with them. But then every everybody else after that is just they're scrapping. You know, they're they're scrapping and. You know, so you could go from a 60,000-seater one weekend to, you know, a 4,000-seater the next weekend. And and every one of them had history and nostalgia. And, and you know, I, I didn't know this, but Dundee and Dundee United are literally like, like not almost side by side, but not quite side by side, but they're on the same road. They're on the same <laughs> street. Like, just like, there's literally two stadiums. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm doing this as I'm sitting on the bus. Like, am I, am I seeing this? And... <laughs> One of the players explained to me, like, literally, that's Dundee and that's Dundee United. Um, it was kind of cool. Um, you know, but again, it's the reality is there's there's more of those teams on the outside of that big budget like Celtic and Rangers do. But, yeah, it's I mean, it's really cool when you go there. It's, you know, the crowd's fantastic. It's a massive crowd. You know, and the smaller clubs are up for it, right, because they're trying to kill Goliath. And so you just, you go there and we went, we went there swinging and we played some good football for a while. Um, but ultimately, you know, at the end of the day, when, when, you know, they can pay the transfer fees and go buy players that they do, like ultimately that's, you know, it's, it's hard to compete with in the bigger picture. It's a golden rule, man. He who has yeah. the gold makes the rule. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it was awesome. It was, it, yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I loved it. Loved yeah. it. Thank you for sharing that. Any, any funny stories that you want to share with us about your time over there? Uh, I mean, honestly, it just kind of, I just kind of went about my business and worked. I mean, how about the next door neighbor, John, the kid that came banged on the window all the time. That one's cool. Oh, the little kid. So we lived in this little like cul-de-sac 
and we were kind that the house that the club had rented for us was it was part of this hotel but we were off enough of the hotel like you you didn't know we were there and there was only there were four houses and apparently other ex-hibs coaches and staff had lived there i guess this was the place that they used because it was just so close to the training center so there were four houses but only two of them ours and one others really only had people in it the rest were the other two were always empty but there was this family that was living in this one and the the front window we had a chair right, right by the front window and the tv was there and they had they had two kids and and all of a sudden just this this one of their young kids would just come over the window when he saw me sitting there and I'd be watching TV and he'd just come over and he'd just kind of stare at me through the window. <laughs> and then he'd knock and then he'd run away. You know, and he'd come back a few minutes later, he'd knock again. So one day I went out and I started playing with him. They had a ball and doing whatever. And uh, we had a good time. And then his dad came out and we introduced ourselves. But, um, you know, again, a lot of times it was just, you know, I'm, I'm a creature of habit. I like my routines. Um, I didn't go out much. I would, I go to the training center, I work out, I come home, I eat dinner, that sort of thing. Um, you know, and that was, again, that was the cycle that we were in. So for me, there wasn't a lot of extracurricular, you know, I went to one of the international weekends. I, I went to the beach, probably the, the only weekend that it got above 60 while I was there. Um, <laughs> And I went in sweatshirt and sweatpants and I think I even had a hat on and it was like 62 degrees and these people are running around like it's 95. They were like, Oh, it's hot out. It's hot out. They're running around on the beach, like in shorts without a shirt. I'm like, I'm freezing my ass up over here. So <laughs> it was, it was kind of amusing, but it was, it was a beautiful yeah. beach. Um, but you know, that was honestly, that was probably about the only weekend that like I actually kind of picked my head up for a little while. So you know, again, it's one of those things where I look back now and I say, you know, maybe I should have done more and, and adventured out a bit more in, in Edinburgh. Um, but, you know, I was there to do a job. And I think, you know, if we would have survived and got into the next season and we each got our own apartments that we start, we were starting to look at downtown, um, it would have been a little bit easier because, every you know every one of us was going to have our own apartments um and i had picked mine out uh nice one bedroom downtown and you could walk to all the restaurants you could do everything like i was really looking forward to that part of of life and it just unfortunately never got to it yeah talk hey, john oh sorry go ahead ray no i was gonna say um what does it mean to you since i think everybody here knows it uh being inducted the uncc hall of fame Mm. yeah that's that's really special um i'm still trying to figure out how since i left school after three three seasons like i guess well, and, the, and the bicycle kick you know and the listen wow I mean, who, Raver, seriously, who brought this guy to, who brought this guy into that he's got hey he's got sunstroke sorry he's got sunstroke. he's, he's got seriously unbelievable um and considering the ad at the time didn't get out you know we didn't see eye to eye so that didn't help either but somehow we made it i don't know rabes um no it's it's you know it was such an honor um to receive that a few years ago and then finally 
be able to have the ceremony for everybody that was in that year uh, in that class of, of hall of fame people. Um, you know, and I'm just, I'm just one person representing so many quality players over the last, how many, every years before me, after me, you know, there's, there's been far better players that have come through that program, but to be the first soccer player, uh, to be inducted into the hall of fame is, is, is really quite special. Um, and uh, it was nice to be there for that weekend and, and celebrate. Um, and, and I take it as, you know, a, a big honor because I'm, I'm representing the past and the present and, and the future. Yeah. John brought you in. If he was there, that was the golden years of UNCC. I mean, that team was awesome. Uh, it was really that, cool to see. We worked really, really hard. I don't know if we played good football, but we ran. We ran. We were the fittest team in, I think, probably college history. Yeah. Well, that's because Frank turns you into a cross-country team, but nevertheless. Yeah. No, we, we played some good – I mean, some, like in college, all right? It's college. You have some games that are great, and you have some games yeah. that, that are awful, and you have some games that you probably shouldn't have won, but somehow the other team didn't want to win more than you did, so you did win, you know? Yeah. And that's yeah. just – that's just college, and and you know, and, and in college, particularly in playoffs, you know, you look at it every year. A lot of teams, you know, the team that gets on a roll usually yeah. wins, right? Yeah. And a lot of times they're not they're not the best team. But many times they're not the yeah. best team. But it's they like get hockey. It's the best goalie. Yeah, they get they get the best goalkeeping. They get on a roll. Their confidence is good. They get some breaks. They get maybe the first game at home or whatever it is, and they win. You know, um, yeah. and 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 so that's that's in college. And, and you know, getting back to the Hibs thing quickly. You know, for for those of you who might be out there wanting to be a professional coach, okay, <laughs> listen listen to me. The Gandalf of goalkeeping is going to give yes. you some nuggets here, okay. It, the, the, and Bone, you know this from coaching the cheetahs, right? <laughs> the cheetahs. The, the 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 it's a terrible beauty being yes. a pro coach, right? Because there's only one thing that matters, and it's it's what you did you win or not? Yeah. Right. And it's it's fine if you can live with un, within those parameters and work within those parameters and know. That you you know you're you're as, as John said you're probably not going to get everything you want financially so you gotta you know you gotta coach you gotta figure out a way to get it done and at the end of the day nothing you know <laughs> developing young men or young ladies doesn't make any doesn't make a hill of beans it's whether you whether you won or lost yeah. or drew and. Yeah. You know, uh, and and, you know, John's experiencing it now with the with the Riverhounds, you know, the old we used to say it. We used to say at the Dynamo, you know, win at home, draw on the road. You can do that. You're golden. Yeah. You know, you know, you're always going to steal a game on the road here and there, you know, or the other team's going to give it to you. But, you know, as a pro coach, you know, if you can win at home and draw on the road, yeah. you're magic. You know, yeah. but that's what it comes down to. It doesn't come. Yeah. Nothing, nothing else matters. Nothing. I mean, and that to me, that's that's, you know, as, as I say, it's a terrible beauty because, you know, it's results oriented yeah. and it's cold, hard fact of did yeah. you win or not? Yeah. You know? Yeah. You, I mean, you look at 
you look at the USL alone last year, right? You look at San Antonio and, you know, they, they play the same way this year. They, everything's direct. You know, they have yeah. a fantastic, hey. they have a fantastic goalkeeper, Jordan Farr. I used to train him in Indy when he was there. Great goalkeeper. Um, he's really coming into his own there, but the way they play is just direct. At the end of the day, you know, if you look at probably every game they've played in the last year and a half, you know, they probably have 20, 30, 40% possession, but they don't care. They know their identity. They know what, and they won the championship last year playing that way. And at the end of the day, like they're the last one standing on the last day. And there's a lot of teams, there's a lot of good teams, but there's a lot of good teams in this league that want to play the Toka Toka, you know, and, and yes, it looks good on the stats and the possession numbers and all that, you know, but if it, it, bottom line is you have to win games. You have to win games. And, you know, it was funny. I was telling Evie the other day, I had to have that chat with the the two youngsters here the other day. Um, you know, I've got a gentleman named Jamali who's the starter. He's He took it. He, he earned it about halfway through last year. Uh, now, you know, so it's, it's his right now to lose. Um, he's also the Jamaican number two. He just played for Jamaica against Mexico last week. Um, so he's... He's starting his career, and I think he has a very, very big upside coming to him, hopefully, if we find that consistency. 23. 23. So if we find that consistency in his game, day in, day out, game in, game out, I think he's got a huge upside. Uh, But I had to have the chat the other morning with the other two. They're straight out of college. Uh, Great kids. They work hard. You know, but we just came back off a day off, and, you know, they were a little bit slow, a little bit – lackadaisical and that sort of thing. And so I finally said to him, and, and this has happened one another, one or two other times, you know, again, it's that yeah, they're still a little bit stuck in that college mentality, you know? And so I just said to him, I said, do you guys, do you guys understand what it means to be a pro, right? And they kind of shook their head. I said, okay, do you really, you know, explain it to me. And they kind of fumbled around with their words for the lesson. Okay. This is what a pro means. You get paid to play. You get paid to train. You get paid to win games. You don't win games, you can get fired, and I can go find a goalkeeper that can win me games. I said it's as simple as that, right? Because at the end of the day, that's that's ultimately what it comes down to. Yeah. You know, am am I here to develop them? Yes, I'm here to develop them. But more importantly, Bob, this, myself, we have to win games because if we if we don't win games, we're not going to be here long term to develop them anyway. Yeah, but you know. you're actually refining them. You're not teaching them. You're refining you're not teaching. No, you're teaching. Right. I mean, you're teaching the college kids a little bit more, or yeah, the college players a little bit more. But they're still young goalkeepers. Well, and you're so teaching, like you said, you're teaching them to be pros. You're teaching you, them to be you, pros. You know, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a different. It's different. A, you know, I mean, the, yeah. it's, the the goalkeeping is the same. Keep the ball out yes. of goal. Yeah. But but the the different. You know, and and again, we you know we found this. I found this at greensboro you know we get some kids who are good college players you know but um you know they weren't like john said you know well we went out last night till four o'clock in the morning well you know what you don't do that when you're a pro you know if you if you want to keep your job yeah because there's somebody down the you know down the street who wants your position and they're out working you and as john said the coach is like you know what I can get this guy for a little bit cheaper and he wants to, he wants to fucking win. That's a yeah. no brainer. Yeah, and that's yeah. just, I'm sorry, 
that again, that's the terrible beauty I talk about. It's like, as John said, you don't play well enough, you get fired. Well, yeah. that's why sports amazing. It's an meritocracy. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. a meritocracy. It's it, it. You're either good enough or you're not, and move along. Yep. Yeah. You can. And be on that great. note, on that you, note, you know, John, you've been around the world now. You've seen some incredible facilities. So talk a little bit about the one at Pittsburgh. You know, it's, yeah. in case you guys don't know this, first of all, it's one of the largest sports complex in the country. 78 acres. Wow. I don't is that know what it is? Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay. I didn't even know it was. Okay. All right. So explain to us, you know, you've been in the MLS, you, you know, you've been in Scotland. Share with us how this rates to some of these facilities that you've actually you know, played in or visited. Yeah. I mean, that was part of the reason I was really interested. You know, Lil, Lil's told me, look, get online. There's not a lot of pictures, but look at the new facility. They just opened for us. Like first team hasn't even trained there yet. Um, and they're still putting on the bells and whistles right now as we speak, but um, it, it's, you know, it's in this smaller little town, Coriopolis. Um, and, it's right off the highway, but it's just you pull in and you, and you see Pittsburgh River Hounds on one side of it. You know, first team's on the first floor, Academy's on the second floor. They built it hand in hand with a rehab rehab facility, um, you know, here in Pittsburgh. So they, you know, they kind of have the other side of the doctor's offices and all that. Um, you know, but we go right into ours. You know, we have our offices that leads into our staff locker room, which leads into the players locker room. Um, you know, they, they finally, the, the lockers were delayed. They got them in last week, nice wood, stained wood, like fantastic. Um, you keep walking through, you go past the, you know, the bathrooms, the showers, the equipment room, you go out the back door and you're right into the massive indoor center, which is a full size field, uh, inside, it's got a running track above it as well. Uh, parents usually hang out there to watch the academy kids in the evening. Um, you go out the side door. There's three turf fields right now outside. Um, by by middle of the summer, behind the tree line on the backside, they're going to add seven more fields to it. Uh, I think they're still trying to figure out how many grass, how many turf. But you know, we'll have we'll have ten training fields. Uh, complete training fields by summertime. Um, Amazing. And it's like, it's, it's state of the art. They have not skimped on anything. Um, you know, it may not be as big as some of these, you know, bigger MLS clubs as far as field wise and all that, but it's, I mean, I know what I've seen through MLS and in Europe, like when, when I pull up every morning, I'm like, this is proper. Like, I feel like I'm at a proper training center and a proper professional club. And I think the more it gets out and the more, you know, these USL pros and other pros hear about it and see it and, and there's videos being popped around about it and whatnot, they're going to go, wow. You know, not only can I go play for a coach that wins things, I can go and I can train in that facility every day. Like, yeah, I want to be there. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about, and I've been, I'm glad Evie got you on the show because I'm curious for this next question. The current USL players you have, could they play, not just come on as a sub here and there, 
in the Scottish Premier League. Say that one again. Sorry. Could the current? Could any of the current Riverhound players go over and play in Scotland with the team you currently or you currently you know count no. on? Not even. No. And tell us what is the difference. No. I know it's going to be small, but tell me besides the consistency, what is the difference? The cons- the consistency, the physicalness. Um, again, outside of Hearts, Rangers, Celtic, and Hibs, everything is just hit down, the, hit into your zone, and and your half, and they press the hell out of you in Scotland. You know, Celtic plays, you know, Rangers play, Hibs we played, and Hearts plays a little, you know. But outside of that, it's dump it and let's go. And it's, you know, they are in your face. It's a hundred miles an hour. They want to, you know, they want to put you under pressure and basically have you cough balls up. Um, so I think the physicalness, play you for know, lockdown, I, you play for lockdowns and set pieces. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and it was interesting because there were two players at Ibs at the time that had played in the MLS. So we would have those conversations quite often. One's actually back in the MLS. Um, Chris Mueller is at Chicago. And then there was uh, a Scottish kid, uh, one of our, was he right back, uh, who played for Columbus for one year and then went back over. Um, and we talked about it all the time. I think we're, we're more technical here in the States, but I think the physicalness and just the, you know, it, the sheer just let's get after it over there. Um, and again, it's the MLS has come a long way. The USL is coming an even farther way, but at the same time, again, not having relegation and not having being in those dog fights, like that's a different world still. You know, you again, you don't make the playoffs in the MLS and you don't make the playoffs in the USL. Like you don't get relegated. You don't lose millions and millions of dollars. Great you point, know? John. Great point. Let, let me ask this a little bit about salaries without you, you know, pointing out, you know, individuals making X, Y, Z. How would you rate the pay in the current USL and, and take away the Rangers and Celtics for the most part? As you said, they're they're on a different level. As far as the pay, how would you compare that? Um, you know, it's interesting because the USL has a salary cap. Or not, sorry, sorry, a, a players union now, not salary cap. They have a players union now. And so you know, and, and Bob kind of was explaining all this to me in early December, you know, when it came up and, you know, and, and we all kind of know the old salaries, right? Like back in the day. I mean, you know, he was saying even, you know, a handful of years ago, a, you know, a $15,000 player then is now like a thirty to $35,000 player because of the union and everything they've added to it. And so, you know, the salaries have gone up. Um, you know, the travel and all the other things, the amenities, we'll call it, have also gone up to an extent. Again, they can't, you can't go from A to Z in the alphabet. Um, but the fact that they have this players union now for the USL players, um, it's just going to, it's like the MLS, it's going to continue to get better. And each time they have a new negotiation, they'll move the pendulum a little bit more just like we did in the MLS in the early days. I mean, the early days, and people probably forget it by now, but that first player's union agreement, we were just fighting for a direct deposit. 
Like people, th- people think, yeah, like you think it's funny now, right? But it's like, you know, the office staff in every MLS club had direct deposit. The players did not have direct deposit. That was one of the things we asked for in the first players agreement. Can we please have direct deposit? You know, and, and to think how far that's come and I don't know how many agreements it's been, three, four, five, whatever it's been by now, but you know, it's going to be the same with the USL. It, it's going to be smaller things, right? Cause you know, the TV is getting better, but there's no rep, you know, there's no revenue like it is in the MLS and things like that. But again, it's just about continuously moving the pendulum, you know, can you get, you know, whatever, can you get more per diem on the road? Can you get better training facilities or better travel experiences or things like that? Can you just continue to move within reason, move the pendulum, you know, because again, it is still minor league sports and, you know, probably every owner in the USL is losing money. Yeah. I mean, reality hits you when you go play Tulsa, right? You're playing on a baseball field um, and Mm -hmm. slaps you right in the face. You know, especially after you just shared with us the great facility that Pittsburgh has, and then you got to go play there. And, you know, we see pictures of you guys on a baseball field, you know, sort of depressing, right, with everything you just said. And then there's the flip side of it. Yeah, and again, you have to be open-minded to all this, right? Like, and and again, talking to EV the other day on the phone, it's like, in, in one breath, we've come so far in certain things in, in, you know, again, in the USL. Um, and you see this unbelievable facility that I get to drive into every morning. Um, but again, it's still minor league professional sports in America. And and you get that reminder when you walk into a baseball stadium in Tulsa or the baseball stadium in, in Memphis. I mean, there's, there's probably going to be a few more along the road here, you know, but it's just, that's where we are. That's the reality of it. You know, um, you know, as we continue to, move in this journey in the usl hopefully more and more teams become like louisville's and some of these other places you know indy 11 is is now got everything approved to build their stadium and and i think it's whatever 2025 or whenever it's supposed to be there so hopefully you know the stability of the league is there the stability of the owner seems to be there now can we one by one kind of chip away and create all these stadiums and get out of, you know, get out of baseball stadiums. Yeah. You know, but, but you think about the early days of MLS too, you know, pretty much everybody was playing in football stadiums. Right. Yeah. So John, what do you think the probability or possibility that MLS and USL get it together and start that relegation program and really get together or does one absorb the other? I don't, well, I mean, you know, MLS now has basically their, you know, their own reserve league. So they, you know, they don't really even have MLS teams in the USL anymore. Right. You know, they're, they're going to do their own thing. USL is going to do their own thing. You know, they're going to pretty much play nice in the public, but I don't think they really want anything to do with each other. So it's open um, cup and that's it. It's going to be open cups. Yeah. Um, as far as the pro and relegation, um, my guess is you might you, you might see it in the USL before you would probably see it in the MLS. Without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I was going to ask you, you know, the same question about the Scottish Premier League. Take that, throw that one away and put MLS. What's the difference between some of your players and, again, the MLS players? 
and again, I know you're going to say consistency, but now we're not, you know, not every damn MLS team's trying to press, as you alluded to with, you know, the Scottish Premier League. No, I mean, again, you, you know, I what's think most of you know, here's the, here's real. I'm going, what's the fine line? Because you guys got some former, you know, pro yeah. MLS guys, you got some yeah. MLS, you know, next pro. So they're like mm-hmm. right on that doorstep, right? Yeah. But, they're probably getting paid a little bit better with you, a little bit better opportunity to play. So what's that? What's that, What's the separation? I think it's a few things, right? I think it's, again, it goes down consistently day in, day out, you know, week in, week out, game in, game out. You know, do you get the opportunity? Do you, do you have that luck that, you know, gets you in that lineup and then keeps you in that lineup? You know, I had the luck many years ago, Tom Prestis rolls his ankle. I finish one game. We have a short week. I get to start that next Wednesday on a short week. I get a clean sheet and boom, I'm off and rolling. Right. So you need that. You need that luck, you know, as well. Um, you know, if it, for instance, if you're a forward, you know, whether in the USL, you want to be, you know, you, you want to peak interest in MLS, score goals and score right. consistently. Right. Everybody wants a goal score. So if you're a forward, you're, you know, you're a nine, you're a 10, you're, you know, in those positions, attack him, whatever, like put the ball in the back of the net. You're going to get people's attention, do your job. Um, you know, but again, it's, it's about, and, and I say it to Jamali every day, every day here we talk about it, it's like, be consistent, be consistent every day in training, be consistent every weekend in a game. You're not going to give me a 10 out of 10 every game. I know that's not going to happen. But the best pros, regardless of what league, I've said, you know, on a scale of one to ten, they will give you a seven, eight, or nine pretty much every game. You might and get a, a ten when you need it. A ten when you need it. And yeah, there's gonna be one, maybe two throughout a thirty-four game season that they're they're hitting a six. Right? Something's a little bit off that day, they're banged up, whatever. But you know, sevens, eights, and nines pretty much every weekend. And, you know, Evie's heard me say this before. Jason Batty, who was my goalkeeper coach in in, in uh, San Jose, was doing an interview one day, a couple years into me being there. And I remember reading it afterwards, and, and the words he used for me was consistently boring. And I remember <laughs> and I remember reading it, and I did the same thing to you. I'm like, well, shit, that doesn't sound good, does it? <laughs> So I went and talked to him about like, like bats. Literally, we've been working three years together and you, I'm consistently boring. And he's like, think about it, Bush. He's like, that's actually a really high compliment. So when he explained himself, I'm like, yeah, like that makes sense. Like he knows what he's getting every day and every weekend, right? He knows what he's getting out of me. And so I started talking to Jamali about that. And I said, listen, you know, that's kind of our little thing now. Like when he finishes warm up and he starts walking in the locker room, I look at him like, what do I need today? He's like consistently boring. I'm like, exactly. Like, you give me that today. All right. And he's like, you got it. You know, and it's just, again, it's about building a rapport with him, you know, because I, I think there's a huge upside and I've challenged him. I have challenged him. I said, you know, I want him to be the goalkeeper there. I want him to be the guy where Bob says, we better sign him or we're going to lose a really good one. Right. Like, I want him to, you know, I want to have Bob get to that point with him. I want him, you know, I, I challenge him in the fact of, you know, he's a Jamaican number two. And I told him, I said, why can't you beat Andre Blake out? 
Yeah, what's his upside? Why so not? Question. Why? So, so what's his you upside? What, what's the ceiling? Like, what can he? Yeah. Do? Well, again, only only he's, you know, he's the one that can push. I can help him get there, but he's the one that's got to go after it. You know, he's an athlete. He's got good hands. He's got good range. His feet are good. You know, but it's 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 one of those things of how bad do you want it? How much work are you willing to do? You know, and I said to him, I said, you know, I, when we talked in very early in preseason, you know, I said, listen, I respect Andre Blake. I think he's fantastic. Why can't why can't you chase him down? Why can't you? Who's saying you can't? Yeah, I mean, but you're not telling everybody. I mean, this guy had a great career at UConn. Matter of yeah. fact, you know, Evie, this is pretty interesting. If you look at the, the Pittsburgh Riverhounds roster, you know, you're not going to find a lot of academy guys, okay? And that's typical with USL, right? Versus MLS always, you know, having more academy guys than, quote, college guys. Mm -hmm. They're sort of the opposite. They've got some guys, um, Michigan, uh, Memphis, Seattle. Uh, one, Evie, I think you'll like, because we, we know his former head coach, Pete Peterson, they got a guy from Clayton State, a yeah. Division II guy. Yeah. What are the chances? You never, ever see that, right? It's always the Division One, and they've definitely got a lot of division, former Division One players there who were, you know, came through the natural progression of that. They got drafted, right? They were second-round guys, third-round guys, and guess what? They're getting shipped on loan to – you know, places like Pittsburgh and they're doing the work there. And then Pittsburgh's making the decision, Hey, they've worked out. So they've, they've got a good core, at least on paper, John, that's what yeah. it appears to me. What are your thoughts with the, those players from those environments? Well, I, first of all, I like the way Lils does it. And I always call him Lils. We've called him that forever. So when I say Lils, I'm talking about Bob Lilly, but the way Lils does it, like he won't sign anybody unless you come into a, he sees you, whether he invites you into preseason, whether he invites you into one of the combines, like he will not sign you before he puts eyes on you. And I've is, listened, I've is, listened is to that him. unusual, you know, tell our listeners, is that unusual? Is that rare? Some, I mean, sometimes think, it is. You know, I would some, think it would be normal though, right? Or not? Well, sometimes it is, especially with some of these guys. Like we have a couple that we signed from Charleston. We have two of them. Right. Yeah. You know, and they're, and one's starting and one's coming off the bench and they're both doing well for us. He knew who they were. He played against them. Right. Yeah. He still told both of them, you have to come into the combine. I need to see you. Ah, okay. Right. He wants right. to see eyes on you for three days. He wants to be able to coach you, talk to you, figure out. Because it's not, it's not just about the football for him. He wants to make sure you understand the environment and the culture he's, he's building. And he so wants John, to make sure you fit in. Get into, if you can kind of locker room now, locker room last year, and how Bob kind of evolves. Because he's kind of an interesting guy, the way he manages the locker room. I think it'd be interesting to hear how he has handles that. So last year, yeah. yes. So last year, Bob had a little bit more experience on his roster, I would say. Um, but sometimes with a little bit more experience comes a little bit more headaches. And some of them didn't buy in as much and they weren't doing the work. And, and the first and foremost with Bob, you better put the work in. You have to put the work in. You have to chase, you have to battle, you have to scrap, you have to fight. 
It's amazing yes. you fit in there, John. <laughs> yeah, it's like the opposite of me, isn't it? You know, it's like the opposite. So you're lazy. You've been a lazy prick your whole life. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, seriously, seriously, this guy, this guy is just slaughtering me tonight. I was Whoa. just gonna, I was just gonna say those two words to describe John Bush. That's probably the first time it's ever been said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Lazy, uh, lazy prick. Yeah, clearly sarcastic. Well, well, not, yes. not the prick. Not the prick. Part, I've, I've the heard the part. Yeah. I've heard the, the prick. prick, prick right everybody says the prick part. <laughs> The lazy part. <laughs> the lazy part. Um, but I actually like it, right? Like, I like the way he thinks. It's like, you know, A, he wants to see you, but he also wants to see how bad you want to be here. Do you want to be part of Pittsburgh? Right? And that's something that he takes a lot of pride in. He, again, this is his sixth year, you know? And he was always like this everywhere he's gone, but it's like he wants you to believe in the bad you're playing, playing for. Not just come here for a paycheck. And I think that's how he felt a little bit last year when he and when he got some of these other senior players, um, and he spent a little bit more money, um, and and they didn't reciprocate that. So I think he's 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 gone back to the way he he always did things. Um, you know, we may not be as polished some of our players, um, you know, and they're rough around the edges at times, but they're going to work. They're going to battle. He can mold them, and and that's that's where it starts for us. You know, putting in the effort and and giving us an honest effort every day, because uh, you know we're going to give you that same thing from our side to you guys as players. We're going to give you every opportunity to prove yourself, every opportunity to be successful. We're going to lay out our game plan every week for you, you know. And if you execute more times than not, we're going to be successful. And you look at Bob's record, regardless of where he's coached: Vancouver, Montreal, Hershey, Rochester, here. He, he wins everywhere he goes. Yeah, it's interesting. Do you think the city is going to embrace you guys? And the reason I, I say it like that, first game you have about 2,400 people. The attendance from USL is up, by the way, in case you didn't know it, 6%. Okay. All right. Uh, Phoenix sells out their home opener. But the numbers, you know, these sound great as I'm saying them, but let's, let's really review the numbers. The average attendance in the USL – so far is about 6,400. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. So where, where do you see, you know, there's 24 teams in the USL, 12 in each conference. Do you see it really, is it just going to be these little 6%, 10%, or is it really going to become a much more thing to do? You know, hit 10,000, hit 8,000. Things like that. now, Louisville yeah. City, you you alluded to earlier, definitely. Yeah. You know they're 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 definitely up on the top. But yeah. Some of these others, yeah. you look at Miami. You know, first, why would you even have a team in Miami, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. makes no sense. You know, twelve hundred yeah. people, fourteen hundred people. What? You know, obviously yeah. they're going to lose their money. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's going to be a case by case scenario. You know, I mean, it's it's yeah yeah. You're going to have your Louisville's and some other places. Um, you know, from what I've been told, I've only seen one home game so far here. What I've been told, um, about last year towards the end of the season, they did have a few sellouts here. Um, and they're hoping for more this summer. Obviously the weather wasn't great for our first game here. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. Um, and, but I also think with, if we start, you know, winning some games and getting on a roll and the weather changes as well, I think, you know, I think that'll lead to a little bit more. Um, you know, we're, we're 
in a town and from our stadium, I can see, you know, the football stadium. I can see the baseball stadium. You know, luckily the Penguins are terrible right now. So maybe that helps us a little bit down the road. I don't well, know. But like, Rangers, you know, but we're, you know, we're, we're in that battle too. You know, we're in a town that like, you know, you can see all the stadiums. So it, it's a tough market. I think ours will go up. You know, like I said, knowing what I found out from talking to people in the office, like ours will go up a little bit more for sure. Um, but, you know, I don't think we're going to all of a sudden, you know, go up whatever, 50% or what, you know, like bam, and, and we're, you know, nine, 10,000 a game. You know, I, I think we'll be five or six probably, you know, in that ballpark. And, and again, I think it's, it's, it's on a per club basis. You yeah. Know? Um, and, and I agree with you. I don't know why Miami still has a team. You know, they were in the <laughs> NASL when I played in the NASL. And I wouldn't, you know, they were drawing 50 people and, and, you know, your cousins and brothers were showing up. Like, that was it. So I don't, I don't get it now that there's an MLS club there as well. Like, why would you, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to me. But yeah, I think the good thing is, is in, in the more important thing, you know, fans are always important. Don't get me wrong. But I think, and, and, and Evie can speak even better on this topic than I can. I think the stability of the owners that are in now is far greater than it was in the early days when I came up through it. And I think that is so much more important. Well, look at Rochester. We just you talked know. about last night. Yeah. 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 Well, I think, but I think also too, it's be interesting study to see, um, of the teams that have, you know, their own stadium now. Yeah. Right. You know, the Louisville cities, the, the mm -hmm. Pittsburgh Riverhounds, you know, more Phoenix has their own, their own stadium, you know, are the, you know, the numbers are up there. That's great. Mm -hmm. um, I think weather obviously enters into it, um, but also be interesting to compare um, major league baseball and minor league baseball absolutely percentages absolutely right um because you know people you know people go to minor league baseball to drink beers uh they yeah. go to major league baseball to drink beers too don't get me wrong but you know what i'm saying <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. you know yeah and yeah. and so um uh but i think a, what what a lot of these clubs have started to do like pittsburgh is put together a youth program underneath it you know, mm -hmm. similar to not, but not totally mirroring Europe, you know, because again, mm -hmm. we're using a model that's in a different culture, but I think, you know, um, uh, you know, you look at some of the, you know, I agree hundred percent Miami should probably move to Osceola, Florida or someplace that, you yeah. know, Jacksonville. Yeah. That doesn't have, you know, that doesn't, doesn't have too you know, an MLS team and an MLS uh, next team, you know, yeah. or not next team, but MLS two team, yeah. um, you know, and I think those will, I think, you know, I think those will filter out eventually, you know? Yeah, um, I agree. You know, I think, I think Rochester just ran into what, what's, what a lot of teams do is they just, you know, after a while things, you know, things get boring and it's the old thing. If you're not winning, people aren't coming. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. Good, you know, you, you yeah. know, you look at you look at the NFL, you know, three or four years ago, you know, the Titans were awful. You know, nobody went. Nobody went. I mean, you know, 
but all of a sudden, oh, they're good. And they're not, you know, they're not the Bengals, but they're good. You know, okay, people go, you know, because yeah. they're winning. No one, no one says they're not the Bengals to be good ever. No, no, they do now. They do now. You know, yeah, but- I think you've, you've hit on a point um, in a different way that I'm going to take it. These youth academies are supporting these USL teams, right? Because they've layered in and income's income at the end right. of the day. All right, so you're you're only going to attract, you know, four thousand, five thousand people, but you got five thousand people, you know, customers under you. Sure. Different sure. different ways to cut it, and you're starting to see that a lot more. You know, if, if a USL championship team is you know been awarded, usually there's a youth program attached to it. So. Yeah. And there yeah. should be. I mean, that's the way yeah. it should. That's the way yeah. it should be. Yeah, I'm going to turn it back to you, Ev, here in the studio. Okay. Well, as always, Greg, great, great questions. Great, you know, Greg. Greg is the Greg is the interviewer of the group, and always always comes with his A game and and gives great questions, and we appreciate that. And um, you know, and again, it's always great to talk to Bushy because we all know him and we all you know respect him and we all respect his views on the game, um, you know, and it's interesting because, uh, you know, I, I always, I always tell people this, you know, back, back in the old days, back in the dark ages, right after the dinosaurs left the earth, um, um, you know, I had a chance to play in a reserve game with the, with the Fort Lauderdale strikers and, um, Gordon Banks was playing in midfield cause he, you know, you don't want to play in goal. You want to play in midfield. So I got to play in goal. And he said something to me that I've always, I've never forgotten. And he said, you know, if you get to the point in this game where you, 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 you feel like you can't learn anything, you're done. Yeah. You know, and his point was, he said, even I, he said, even I learned something every day about that. I didn't know before about the game, you know, and yeah. this is Gordon Banks. And I was like, okay. Got it, you know. Got it, you know. And he and, was pretty good. Yeah, he's he wasn't bad. He could probably he could probably play for most teams. And uh, you know, but um, and you know, and listening to Bushy's story, you know, the 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 Hibs thing, like like with most coaches, right? You know, it's it's when you play games and lose is when you learn the most, right? When you coach games and lose is when you learn the most, you know. Um, and, you know, and it's, it's all is, you know, everybody who's sitting here as, as a coach has been fired because for whatever reason, but you learn from it and, yeah. and, and, you, and you get better for it. And as, as Bone said, it's, it is a job where you get hired to get fired. You know, nobody, mm-hmm. you know, nobody, nobody has the, the 30 year yeah. job anymore, you know, no. um, no. and unless you're uh, Belichick, well, unless you're Belichick, but you know, I mean, getting back to the winning thing, right? The last two years, you know, there's, there's talk in Boston. It's like, you know, what's, what's Bill doing? He doesn't know what he's doing anymore, you know? And, you know, um, it's, it's crazy, but that's, you know, that's, that's where we are. And, and so it's been, it's been very interesting to, to listen to it and to watch, you know, and to watch him watch, watch Bushy grow it, not only as a player, that, that was fun, but now it's kind of fun to watch him and grow as a coach. You know, yeah. and, and uh, yeah. you know, it's 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 interesting. Great, Rabes and I are going up to 
beautiful Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to see the see a game on the 14th, I believe. And really, I want to see the I want to see the uh, the facility because it, it sounds like a like a beautiful beautiful place. So, yeah. My son Chase wants a lot of gear, John. So just get. Ready. <laughs> well, I'll make sure the store is open and there's a discount code waiting for you. There, there you go. Sure. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. Uh, but Bushy, thank you very much for joining us as always, and and um, um, you know it's it's continue good luck with this season because it's you know you're four games in or five games in in a 34 game season. It's a long you know. That's a long road in front of you, uh, yeah. but you but you guys have gotten off to a good start. And one thing I one thing I did want to say before we finish up here is, you know, it, Bob Lilly has always been the guy in my estimation. And, and again, you look at coaches, and and you know, as a goalkeeper coach, you kind of you kind of have a privileged place because you can watch a lot and yeah. observe a lot. Um, but he's one of the few coaches I believe. Okay, maybe maybe I'm wrong here. But I've I've always thought the plumbers on your team win the win games for you. Yeah, your plumbers win championships for you, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. he's always been he's always been that guy who, as you said, John puts eyes on you. You know, I, and I always I always analogize it like you know putting together a good engine, right? Mm-hmm. You, you look for better parts all the time, and if you got better parts, you put them in your engine. Your engine runs better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and you you constantly have to, you know, maintain and observe your engine if that's what you're if that's what you're you're yeah. working on. You know, if that's what you're, you're relying on. Yeah. And he's always been that guy who, you know, didn't always have the flashiest of players, didn't always nope. have, but always successful. Yeah. Right. And he. All, go go ahead. ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say he is, and I said this last week to this. He is the Bill Belichick of the USL. He is a ball coach. Grinder. He is a ball coach. Yeah. He wants to win games. He wants to coach every day. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That yeah. is it. Yeah. Doesn't even have a laptop computer. Doesn't care. Doesn't right. want to right. doesn't want his emails. Like he is a ball coach every single day. Right. And and you know, it's it's in one in one breath, it is so amazing to just watch him because that is what every day when he walks in, like that's the only thing on his mind. Yeah. You know, yeah. how do I make my team better? How do I find a way to win? How do I tweak the lineup? How do I, you know, can I put this guy with that guy? Yeah. You know, like yeah. that's it. That's yeah. it. It's, it's, it's very simple in his world, if you will, you know? Yeah. 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 And that's, you know, um, and one of the other things that you and I have talked about before and we'll finish up with this, but you know, He's probably the, and I could be wrong on this again, but I I don't think I am. He's probably the least traveled coach in pro soccer in the United States. Yeah. Mean meaning, yeah. he's only been with two or three teams over a, over a, a a career of about what thirty years. Yeah, he doesn't chase. Be. He doesn't no. chase. No, he doesn't chase. He, he yeah. moves because they fall. How many guys can <laughs> say that? Yeah, no. I mean, he. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Which, you know, they, mean, he, yeah, which means, you know what? He, he knows what he's doing. You know? Yeah, so. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, uh, we hope that everybody uh, 
enjoyed this time. As I said earlier, it's a convenient time waster and we appreciate you wasting time with us. But, um, you know, it's it's always fun. And thank you. Thank you, Bone, for 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 leading the for leading the charge on the on the interview. Uh, thank, thank you, you Ray, for 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 getting back safe from Florida and and sort of lighting up the room without turning on the lights and, and sunburned. Um, yes. Thank is that you. with the sunburn? Yeah. Glow, glowing, <laughs> glowing, the, that glow you see over Terrace Park. You. That's Greg Avery. So, and, uh, and, and Bushy as always, thanks for joining us. And, and it's always, it's always a pleasure to see you. It's always a pleasure to yeah. talk to you. Yeah. It's so. always my, it's always my pleasure to waste two hours of you guys. Lives. <laughs> I appreciate, we, it. We appreciate it. We appreciate it. Hey, we appreciate it. No matter so, what, we're bushy. We're proud of you. No matter what. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, so, HPG Goalkeeping, www.hpggoalkeeping.com. Soccer Village, www.soccervillage.com. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah, uh, there you go. Oh, and don't crap. forget to and don't forget to 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 check out the three old goalie. We got a website. Yeah, we got a website. Okay. <laughs> www.3oldgoalies.com and three people, it's not the number, T H R E E Ogoalies.com. And Ray And I would look at Little Miami Brewery someday. Bingo. Rabes, I was oh. just gonna say, take us out of here with some really exciting news that you've been working particularly hard on for us. Take it away. We're going to do a remote at uh, Little Miami Brewery in Milford, Ohio, uh, coming up in June. And a remote. Come. It's going to be fun. A uh, lot to come. Bushy can't come because that loser has a job. Uh, <laughs> but we will be here in Cincinnati, Ohio, and more to come. We're really excited about it. Yeah, we're going to actually go out into our into our public. Uh-oh. And, yeah, and maybe, I don't know, could be wrong, maybe... All 12 of our listeners will be there. Both of them will, <laughs> both of them will be there. So, so yeah, so, so that's what we're hoping for. But seriously, Raves has worked really hard on this, and it's a cool, it's a cool little uh, uh, brew pub restaurant. And uh, they, they, I don't know, we got them at a weak moment. They've decided to let us know. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, you know, if we do a good job, they might invite us back, you know, but they, they were willing, they're willing to take a chance on it. So we're going to, we're going to show up and do our Thank you, Greg role. Thank Amy, you so much. Amy, Amy did it. Yeah, uh, Amy, yeah, yeah. Of course she did. We, we, we didn't even have to ask yeah. that. We knew yeah. that. We so, knew that answer. Thank so, you, Amy. But that's, that's June, June 4th. And do we have a time yet on that, Rich? Yeah, it should be five to seven to, okay. or Uh-oh. five to nine, depending that's, on. That's AM, by the way. That's AM. <laughs> no, it's, it won't be AM, but yeah. So, so keep putting Please. that on your calendar, all you three old goalies listeners, and uh, um, we'll we'll hopefully uh, see you out there. And until next week, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for listening and watching the three old goalies. Be sure to join us next time. Like, subscribe, so you don't miss out on any of our great content. You can follow us on Instagram or Twitter. Can't get enough of the Three Old Goalies? Be sure to check us out at www.3oldgoalies.com.